This is the Only Human podcast from Community Radio 4ZZZ out of Brisbane, Australia. The Queensland Department of Child Safety receives over 100,000 child concern reports every year, with about 30,000 leading to action. In 2015-16, 9,000 Queensland children were taken into the care of the state due to the risks of domestic violence, sexual abuse or neglect. Care and protection orders are meant to keep them safe from abuse, but many end up homeless or at risk of homelessness due to domestic violence or housing crises. Those in foster care also face challenges, being separated from family and siblings and the psychological fallout from abuse or violence. This week on the show, we look at the challenges facing children in care and coming out of care. We'll be talking with Lucas Moore, Queensland Coordinator of the Create Foundation, a non-government organisation that helps children in care and transitioning from care to live good lives. The national peak consumer body representing the voices of children and young people with an out-of-home care experience. Create advocates for and with young people in the care system. So Create was an organisation that was set up by young people with the care experience back in the early 90s mm-hmm. and the young people and the foster care um, who set Create back then uh, had the vision, I guess, that in the system at that point in time, in the foster care system or the child safety system, um, there were lots of decisions being made about resources, where they go, um, how children and young people in care were treated but um, there wasn't a lot of input from young people at a kind of systemic level about how those decisions were made and where resources were allocated in the system. So CREATE was set up as an advocacy organisation. Usually, um, well, initially it was set up as a volunteering organisation and it was a bunch of state-based organisations that um, eventually came together in 2000 um, to, to form CREATE. So it was used to be called the Australian Association for Young People in Care mm-hmm. and um, formed formed into CREATE um, in 2000 and interestingly CREATE actually doesn't stand for anything um, from what I know uh, it's actually the young people at the time wanted to make fun of all the acronyms that there were in um, <laughs> welfare sector um, by having a, a name like that and I guess it was they wanted a positive word that was energetic to describe what they wanted to do so um, <laughs> yeah CREATE CREATE um, yeah, so create works tries to work on a systemic level, but also works with young people individually. And I guess if we're going to try and represent young people with government, with different organisations, and to the broader community, we need to be connected to them. Mm. And so we do that in a variety of ways. So we have um, something called Club Create, which is a membership service that we provide to children and young people anywhere from birth to 25 who have a care experience who want to be part of Create. They get a magazine every couple of months. They get invited to special events that we do. We do giveaways to that group. And we also send out information about different opportunities um, to our members. Um, we, we do what we call connection events. They're just like fun days, I guess, if you like. It might be, um, we might do one aimed at the younger kids. Um, say we do like an art day or something like that. Or we also do like paddle boarding for some of the older kids or bowling. A whole range of different activities um, all across Australia. To, so I guess so that we as the staff can meet children and young people because we don't have automatic access to their contact details or anything Mm. like that and it's also really good because it gives children and young people with a care experience a chance to meet other people who have a similar experience because um, for some of them they might be the the only person at their school who's in foster care and um, sometimes it can be very alienating um, to not I guess know other people who might have been through similar 
things that you have been through. So um, yeah. we try and do that. Our, our motto is connect in power chain, so connect your young people in care to each other, to their community and to us. Um, empower is, I guess, basically if you want young people to stand up and have a voice, um, you need to build their self-confidence and, and you need to build um, their skills. Well, some of them have plenty of self-confidence already, which is awesome, but um, some people, it's about trying to make them realise that their opinion counts for something um, mm. and that really when we get to the last part of what we do, which is change, that's where our young consultants are really important to their young people who have a care experience anywhere between 12 and 25 and they come along to meetings with us, um, with different bureaucrats in the child safety system. They also help train some of the child safety officers. Well, actually, all of the child safety officers in Queensland as part of their induction training. Wow. We have a three-and-a-half-hour session with um, those child safety officers, and we have young consultants sharing their advice and expertise for new social workers coming into the system and sharing some of their experience, I guess, in care. Um, and they also go to meetings with, with ministers, and they also help us with some of our policy submissions and our research, of course. Well, it sounds so like you've got a, a really big focus yeah. on self-advocacy there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're pretty small as an organisation, so we don't do individual advocacy in, in terms of bringing forward an issue for one person necessarily. I guess we're trying to like build consensus, see what the common issues are, but we have the young people as the spokespeople. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've only got... For Queensland, we've got... Um, five staff and we're supported by a national team um, that do our kind of finance and um, HR and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, we don't have a lot of staff for, for the 9,000 young people and children in care in Queensland. So we're trying to make systemic changes to get the kind of, I guess, do the best with, um, do the best with what we've got yeah. for those young people. So 9,000 children in care in Queensland and, and you work with all of them? Well, we've got about 2,800 members who are members of CREATE in Queensland. We get about 15,000 across Australia. Um, some of those, though, we'll never meet. They might get a magazine from us. Um, they might come along to an event every now and then, but they might not get involved in the research and advocacy side of it. Mm -hmm. I guess we would say that we, we're trying to serve all those 9,000 by making the system reflect feedback from children and young people about their lived experience. I mean... It's their, it's their life at the end of the day that is affected most by the decisions made um, across the, the foster care or, or child safety system. So, um, we, yeah, we're trying to, I guess, make things better for all those 9,000, um, but we, we've got about 2,800 members. Lucas tells Kim about the challenges faced by children in foster care. Where do your clients come from? Are they directly coming from child safety? Yes, it, it, for us, it's anybody with a care experience. So they might have gone into foster care or, or care just for one night um, and then gone back to live with their birth family. They might still be part of um, CREATE. Because interestingly, um, you know, quite a number of the children in care in Queensland don't stay in care up until they're 18. Mm -hmm. um, so quite a few actually come in for a few years and then go back to birth family. Some people only come in to care maybe for eight months and then and go back to their um, birth parents. But I guess the trend in the last kind of 15 years is for kids to stay longer in care. Really? And to stay up until 18. So, yeah, yeah I mean, there's lots of different reasons. I mean, um, in terms of the figures from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, like the, the, the primary reason identified in the data is emotional abuse, but that's often co-reported with 
sexual or, or physical abuse or, or neglect. So um, that's why emotional abuse is actually number one often, mm. because if you've been sexually abused or you've been physically abused, often there's emotional abuse mixed in with that. Um, and same with same with neglect. So from what I know, it's emotional abuse um, closely followed by neglect, um, physical abuse, and then sexual abuse. They're the primary reasons. Mm. Um, yeah, but but neglect is a really really big one, and neglect is a really really tricky one in terms of people who are living in poverty, perhaps who don't have um, as much opportunity as as perhaps others in the community. Um, sometimes it's really hard in terms of the adversarial nature of the child safety system for those, I think sometimes people are treated quite unfairly mm. in terms of um, being able to provide for their kids and I guess being held up to a standard maybe that they can't meet yeah. um, financially. Well, ideally, so, if they got the support while the children are still with the family, it would be, work out much better for everyone, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, and that's the way that the, the, the child safety system is trying to go. Um, because that's what governments, they realise that, you know, the more children they have in care, um, you know, in, in a purely economic level, the more it costs them. But also the research shows that um, being in care doesn't necessarily make everything better mm. because people are often attached to their birth parents um, and it can lead to quite a bit of instability coming yeah. into the care system. I can imagine so, they can be quite lonely when they're taken out of a family they've spent their whole lives with. So... When they've gone into care and coming out of care, they're big periods of transition. In what ways does Create help kids get through those periods? So we do something called an entering care kit, which is it's just like a, I guess a, a backpack that's full of kind of hygienic, um, like kind of hygiene goods, um, just stuff that you you might say, for example, a lot of not a lot, but quite a few kids might get picked up from school and taken into care, oh. um, and so they don't even know necessarily um, that morning when they're going to school that. That afternoon, they, they're going to be maybe going to a different family, and so they don't actually have a chance to grab just basics sometimes. Mm. Um, so we try and provide that. In that kit, though, is also information about the, the Charter of Rights in the Child Protection Act for children and young people in care. So in Queensland and a few other states, we have a Charter of Rights. It sets out what children and young people in care should be able to expect. Um, and so we have like children and young people friendly materials in those kits. Um, so that's one of the things that we do in entering care and the other end of it um, in terms of like transition from care. We've done a lot of, Create's probably focused a lot on that issue in the last 10 years, I would say, to try and get some traction. And we've had a, a few wins, um, but yeah, like the, we do something called a Go Your Own Way kit, which is again more about what's out there in the community in terms of services and support um, for a young person that might have to live where they're living mm. when they turn 18. Um, and might struggle because as opposed to, you know, the ABS data shows that more and more people are staying with their parents or able to return multiple times to their parents up until 25, sometimes 30. Um, for, for these young people, there's definitely less of an option for less of them, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, yeah. um, so, so they, they really do, the stakes are higher, if you like, in terms of that they don't have the same level of um, a financial safety net that a lot of other children and young people do. Um, and they also don't necessarily have the, the emotional or, or social support network that a lot of other people do, often because of the instability that they've experienced during their childhood and their adolescence. Mm. So as you can imagine, if you've lived in eight or nine different places, um, it's really hard to build <laughs> you know, really solid social net connections with people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
When a, young, when a young person turns 18 and they're living with a foster family, are they then expected to move out and go it alone? Oh, it's, it's, it's not... Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably a bit more complex than that in terms mm-hmm. of some people are. Um, it depends on the relationship between the child, the young person, and the carer. It depends on whether that carer... Um, well, I guess what their focus is, whether they're wanting to take on more children and how much space they have in their home. Um, it depends on... Like, so when they turn 18, they have to get a blue card. Um, the child or the, the young person has to get a blue card, uh, and that's part of the regulation. It's um, mm. the, the regulations around blue card... or The, the organisation that was um, regulating blue cards changed a few years ago, and it seems that um, there's a bit of a change in the way that blue cards are approved. So if, um, you know, a young person had a... Not necessarily anything to do with sexual offences, but perhaps had um, a juvenile justice charge against them when they were younger. It can really hamper their chances of getting a blue card. Mm. So that can be a reason that they have to move on. Yeah, it's it's um it's not necessarily one size fits all. But from our, from our latest bit of research um, that we launched last year, that the Go Your Own Way report, um, where we spoke to about 91 young people born in 1998, so turning 19 last year. Um, only, I think it was about 22% of those 19-year-olds were still living with carers. Um, and the other thing you've got to think about too is that not all young people um, are living with carers at the age of 17 in care. Some of them live in what we call residential care, yeah. which has been in the news a bit lately, and that's kind of like a group home, if you like, with youth workers living around the clock. That's a funded model of care, and that the funding for that model ceases at 18, so all those young people do have to to move on or most of them do mm. although the services do try and provide them some support um past 18 as well and, and stay involved uh yes and some of the some of the young people um disengage from child safety well before turning 18 mm. and essentially kind of vote with their feet out of the system at maybe 16 or 17 so. yeah. and some people go back to birth family so some of the young people um you know especially quite a few aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people go back to community or they go back to um, you know, maybe not their, their parents, but their extended family. So what sort of psychological challenges do the young people face when they're coming out of care? They, a lot of them sound like they've had traumatic experiences. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it, it takes um, a while for a number of people. You know, I guess it's, it takes a lifetime sometimes to overcome um, abuse or neglect mm. um, and instability in your life. Um it, yeah, like I guess one of the things you know, in terms of what psychologists talk about is, is about trauma and attachment. So how childhood trauma affects your ability to build attachments and connections with people mm. as you're growing into adolescence and adulthood. Um, trust is a massive one for, for a number of the young people. I think probably number one often is self-worth, and that can come out in a lot of ways. Um, whether that's aggression towards other people or disengagement or, um, you know, anxiety and depression, that can be a challenge. But, um, but look, from my experience of, of, you know, eight and a half years working at Create, despite all those things, the young people are actually incredibly functional um, and uh, just are incredibly resilient, you know. Mm. So they might struggle and they might have their rough periods and their rough patches, um, but a lot of them are really strong and really determined individuals so um yeah that, that, that they do face their challenges but it's to me it's remarkable how many of them overcome those challenges 
you know, and it might be something where maybe they haven't got everything sorted at 18. They haven't got, um, you know, life's not busy at 18. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, but maybe at 23 or 24 or 25, they're in a much better position yeah. um, you, than they you're, were. You were mentioning a, a report that you did last year. Um, what did they say helped them transition? Accommodation, self-confidence and social networks. So they're the, they're the big three that stand out for me. Um, not just in last year's report, but also um, in other bits of research that we've done over the years. They're the, the key themes that keep coming up for me. Um, also stuff about, you know, finding out how to manage money, um, you know, being connected. So it's the, the social connection one is probably also related to family connections. So even though you might have been removed from your birth parents, you've also got an extended family which you can connect to um, and a lot of young people get alienated from that while they're in care. So it's really important that as part of that transition process, they get to maybe reconnect mm-hmm. to some of those people is in that their something, family. Is that something Create helps them out with? Well, it's something that we, we try and provide resources. Like we've got yeah. a, a fact sheet about reconnecting with birth family. And so what we did with that is we, we spoke to some young people who had done that, who had got in contact with their birth parents again after they turned 18 and some of them had um, had a really positive experience some of them found it really challenging and so we actually got I guess like a tip sheet so you know six essential things to do if you're wanting to reconnect with that family member to make it safe for you and to um, maybe maybe make it a positive experience or get the best chance of making it a positive experience so yeah I mean one of the things we do in terms of what we would do is we would advocate for the system to, I guess, focus on the future with these children and young people. So what I mean by that is um, the child safety system, because of the media and the pressure of the community and the fact that the government has you know, put its hand up to take legal guardianship of these children and young people, there's a lot of risk aversion in the system. Yeah. So, for example, you've got a 15-year-old and maybe they've got someone in their extended family who um, you know, maybe has had some allegations like criminal justice background or maybe... Um, you know, that the department just doesn't know that much about them or something like that, um, they'll be very risk-averse to making any contact between the child and that, and that person. You know, one of the things that we, we would say is that part of that is about mitigating risk. We can't wrap these children young people in um, cotton wool all the time <laughs> and then at 18 expect them to just be able to be magically independent as they're getting older, trying to, I guess, have like safe risk for them. And that might be experiences, extracurricular activities, going on, you know, different excursions, different trips, doing things like horse riding, which, you know, in the child safety system is considered high risk. Giving those experiences because they're kind of part of normal growing up. Yeah. And sometimes part of, the, part of growing up is being exposed to different sorts of people. So we have a program in New South Wales, not in Queensland, specifically being funded as part of the... Uh, the NDIS transition ah. in New South Wales and it's called the Ability Project and that has different modules and that's based on something that Create's done for a while called Create Your Future which is a grant scheme, um, a series of workshops and a website all focused on supporting young people with independent living skills, with life skills um, and getting them equipped um, you know, to face the challenges of transitioning from care to independence. So the Ability Project is, is, is um, I guess, create your future, adapted and, and built on um, for young people with different um, disabilities who are transitioning 
from care. Mm-hmm. Some of it's about support, and we also do we also do training for for workers for support workers as part of that. So it's about I guess equipping um, those young people with the skills to become independent to make to call their own shots. I guess, and that's actually one of the workshops it's called or your own shots, and it's about speaking up, having a voice, and how you can do that effectively. So yeah, that's not something unfortunately we've done in Queensland, but in terms of the specific challenges that we've seen for young people, you know, with a disability transitioning from care, like a really, really tricky one is is some of the, um, I guess, the transitions between the child safety and the disability support system. Mm. I think it's a little bit better now, but there's a really short time frame where young people would know whether or not they would be receiving adult disability support. Right. So because their eligibility was reviewed only at 17 and a half for adult disability, it literally left it until six months before they turned 18 when they found out, and they cared, and all the other people who cared about them in life found out whether or not they were, what level, if any, of adult disability support they'd been receiving. Yeah. Um, so that was, that really short time period was a really big issue for young people transitioning. I think it's slightly better now, but I think it's still an issue. And, and what we find is, those young people who might have a disability but you know they're assessed as not needing adult disability services, they can often um, fall between the gaps. I mean, there are services in South East Queensland like AROS that do serve those young people and do, do group work and different support for those young people. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not, as far as I understand, kind of services aren't around Queensland. I think they still, um, it sounds to me like you're saying that they do have, still have fairly much the same difficulties as other children with the finding accommodation and making friends and that sort of thing. Yeah, but I think there's a bit more uncertainty in terms of adult disability support and that kind of thing. But similar, similar kind of issues, you know, social network, you you know, the big thing for young people in a material sense is, well, where am I going to be living, you know, Mm. and how, you know, um, because they're not necessarily guaranteed of public housing in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, and so, and we know that the private rental market is quite challenging, especially if you're a low-income earner. So that is the, probably one of the really biggest sources of anxiety for all young people transitioning. Mm. Do you know if there's any um, statistics on how many of those kids end up homeless? Oh, there's different statistics thrown around. I mean, the, part of the problem is that we don't really have any coordinated way of tracking young people mm. after they um, turn 18. In the UK, they have like a national transitions database, which um, is good for that. And that's one of the recommendations out of our Go Your Own Way report awesome. um, last year to have something like that. But, um, you know, from Create Research in 2009, that research suggested of the young people uh, 18 to 25 that we'd spoken to about. 38% had experienced at least one night of, of homelessness, you know, um, defined as couch serving or sleeping rough since they had transitioned. Um, I've heard other statistics that, you know, almost up to 50% w- would, would have experienced homelessness um, or the criminal justice system after transitioning as well. Right. So an interesting, an interesting thing to check out if you're interested in this issue, um, because it's topical and it is a big push at the moment, is the Home Stretch campaign, which is a national campaign at the moment uh, to extend uh, care, if you like, until 21 around Australia for young people, if they would like to stay as part of the system.
So obviously they'd be an adult with their own um, decision-making abilities, but it would mean that, for example, carer payments that, that carers receive would continue for carers up until 21, no. um, and, other, and other support would continue until 21. And that's, that extension of care has been done in a few places around the world. It, it happens in California, and it happens in Illinois, and it happens in the UK and, and in Scotland. So that that's something that will create a number of other organisations are really calling for at the moment. And in Queensland, we've been really heavily involved in advocating because our Child Protection Act is actually under review at the moment. Mm, okay. Well, that sounds like a really good outcome because then they'd have um, a bit of thinking time about what to do with their lives, I guess, and get their lives in order. Well, yeah, it's a, more, <laughs> a it's a more gradual transition. Yeah, yeah. It's a more gradual transition because if you think it, it's a bit unrealistic to expect... Um, just people to have everything sorted by 18 mm. and then not to have much of a safety net. What we do have in Queensland and what the Create's really proud to be part of and what we advocated for many years for is a service called Next Step Aftercare. Mm-hmm. So, and that is support service for young people 15 to 21 who were formerly in care. And that service provides like um, some case management, so some support worker management, some brokerage, so um, just some financial assistance as well, and some um, 24-hour phone counselling for young people. So that's just next step after care mm-hmm. um, if people want to, to look it up and creates a very small part of, of that partnership of service that delivers um, next step. But that's been going for, I think we'll be coming up to the two-year birthday of that service and that was um, something that we were really happy because in other states of Australia um, they had the post-care services uh, for a number of years but Queensland had never had anything specific so mm-hmm. there is there, there is stuff in place but extending care would probably provide a, a lot more flexibility and support because Next Step as a service still has only so much capacity as well. Yeah. Let me ask you the million-dollar question. What would it take, do you think, to make the lives of all the children and young people currently in care and coming out of care better? What could we all do as a, as a society? I think it's probably lifting the bar in our expect, expectations. Um, so I think probably it's lifting the bar in our expectations for these children and young people um, to not let them off, I guess, and that, mm. that can tend to happen sometimes. There is stigma associated with children and young people in care as our stigma associated with lots of different groups in our society and we know what the stigma can do. It's harmful to the outcomes of those young people. So I think in terms of what someone listening can do, if if you, um, you know, in your experience, you you meet someone who's in foster care um, or someone who was or someone um, who you think, you know, you know, maybe doesn't have a lot of family support networks. Sometimes people don't end up in the care system for a variety of reasons, but they they don't have any family support. It's actually about kind of coming together as a community and, and going out on a bit of a limp for those people sometimes mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, just offer them opportunities. So many times that I've heard of in young people that we've talked to over the years, it's someone who's just kind of an employer or um, or someone in the community who's just kind of given the time maybe to, to, to that young person who's seemed a bit lost or just we've, we've kind of noticed doesn't have any support and then to be the person who provides that support I mean I think there's lots of organizations that you can donate to and services and all the rest of it but really I mean um, 
one thing that is irreplaceable is is a sense of of community caring for those young people. Yep. So I think that's a really important thing. I mean, it's, it's not something that I expect everyone to do, but probably the the number one thing that would make the care system better is having more people stepping up as foster carers. Mm. If we have more people stepping up, then we've got um, more individualised support. I mean, at the moment, we've got foster carers as five, six, seven kids sometimes because there's just not enough carers. Wow, that's and, that single, yeah. and that single issue is a driver for lots of other issues. If we had more carers, then we'd have more stable experiences for young people, I think, mm-hmm. and then we wouldn't have as many issues when we come to transition from care. So... I think for people who, um, you know, for people who would like to, you know, do that, and that's a massive step to take. It can be really, really, really beneficial um, for a child or young person. It definitely changes people's lives, you know, yeah. in a really direct way. Uh, yeah, I've read some research that um, I think it might from the be from the Institute of Family Studies that says that really a child only needs one really stable and trustworthy human adult in their lives to turn out okay. Yeah. That's all it takes is yeah. one person. Yeah, that's right. But if we can have a few people, then that kind of Even balances better. the load on that one person. <laughs> that's right. You know what I mean? <laughs> one each, I mean. Is there anything else yeah. you'd like to tell listeners about your organisation? No, I think if people want to see um, Create and what we do, you, you know, we're on all those different social media channels. I mean, it can, you know, you want to like us on Facebook or on, follow us on Twitter or whatever. It's a, it's a good way to see what's happening in the care system, often through the eyes of the young people who are experiencing it or who have experienced it. Um, yeah, we've got a website with kind of different resources and videos. It's a good place to start um, in terms of looking at the, the care system and how it works. Yeah, look, I think uh, probably my word of advice is that, like, it's it's a lot of grey in the care system, you know? There's no one truth. There's no one kind of thing you can say about it where, other than what you said before about that one significant adult, mm. um, it's just really complex, you know. When 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 the state steps in to care for a child, it's just you know. Imagine Centrelink as your parent, for example. You know, <laughs> like it's 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 a really complicated thing, you know. And I think that often, um, you know, child safety uh, as a department gets a lot of negative press, and sometimes that you know maybe that is warranted. But trying to think about what they're trying to do, they're not just making boxes, you know. They're not just making widgets. And I think that, yeah, I think that appreciating the complexity of the system is probably the first step to understanding it a bit better. This week on Only Human, we've been looking at the lives of children in foster care. You're listening to Lucas Moore, the Queensland Coordinator of the Create Foundation, the national peak consumer body representing the voices of children and young people with an out-of-home care experience. Create is an advocacy organisation that you can join. You can find out more about Create on their website at create.org.au. That's all for Only Human for this week. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. You've been listening to Only Human on Z Digital every Tuesday at 7pm. Loved our show? Why not follow us on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to Community Radio 4 Z at www.4zzzfm.org.au Thanks for listening. My name is Luca I live on the second floor I live upstairs from you Yes, I think you've seen me before
You are listening to the Only Human podcast. Only Human is a weekly program on social justice, disability rights, psychology, social research and mental wellness. You can listen in Brisbane on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM and set digital on DAB Plus radios. Love community media? You can support 4ZZZ by subscribing or making a donation at 4ZZZFM.org.au.